chapter 12. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. St. Mark chapter 12. And um, let me just get this off the screen here. And thank you, Lisa, for doing the camera for me. I'm going to move to that camera. And um, it's... Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. No, actually, it should be... Okay, well, you know what? I'm not sure why it's this one right here. Uh, I'm not sure why. Oh, you know what? That might be... Let's try... Okay. Yep, there we go. Great, thank you. Okay, uh, everyone, in St. Mark chapter 12, we're going to talk about the widow. And here's what it says in chapter 12, verse 41 of St. Mark. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amount to about a cent. Let me just read what it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 2, regarding that verse, because Luke gives us an account of the widow, and so does Mark. Here's what Luke says regarding that particular verse. And Jesus saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. Okay, back to Mark chapter 12, verse 43, it says, Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly, King James Version says, verily, verily, whenever you see the term verily, verily, or truly, truly, it means it's truly, truly important. It means it's very, very important. It means whatever you're doing, I should start saying that in some of my sermons. Verily, verily, I say it to you, BBC. <laughs> Pay attention. Listen to this. This is important. It's not important because Will Robinson says it. It's important because the word of God says it. Amen? Amen. All right. So Jesus said, hey, guys, come here. Come here. Verily, verily. This is important. Listen, listen. Check this out. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasure. I'm in verse 43 of St. Matthew I'm sorry, St. Mark, chapter 12. I'm in verse 43. And verse 44 says, For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Here's how Luke chapter 21 handles that verse there. Luke says it this way. For they all, out of their surplus, put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And Lord, we just ask you to bless this message. We want to keep it short and sweet today, but we want it to be real and we want it to be transformative. Lord, we ask that you in this service and in our lives be glorified in all that we do, say, and think. And that this morning as we worship you collectively as a body, that you will allow us to be edified by your word and by your worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Okay, so let me let me just kind of explain this to you guys. I don't want to move this because Rick and Deanna are going to be singing here shortly. Let me just explain something. Jesus is Jesus is teaching all day. If you read earlier in chapter 12 of St. Mark or earlier in St. Luke, you'll see that Jesus had been teaching. And I love this because you get to see the humanity of Jesus. He's been on his feet all day. So as any other human being, even though he's 100% God, he's also 100% man. He has all the characteristics and all of the physical limitations of a normal human. He goes and says, I got to sit down. I need to sit down and watch this. I need to just take a load off. So he takes the load off and he says what a lot of other people were doing, watching the people, it's, it's, it's festive time. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the holy days. And so people are migrating to give two things, to give what's called a tax or a temple tax. That's part of it. And also to give their free will offering. So if you would have been there during the first century at the Herodian temple, you would have seen 13 huge receptacles that were shaped like trumpets, 13 of them that were surrounding what's called the court of the women and the court of the Gentiles. And as you come in to worship, you put in your offering. Unlike today, they did not have paper money. They couldn't write a check. They couldn't pay via Vimo or Cash App or PayPal. They couldn't mail it in. They couldn't use a bank transfer. The only thing that they had in terms of commerce or in terms of, of money, actual currency, were coins. Some were copper, some were silver, some were gold, depending on how well off you were. The poorest coins, the less coins in terms of the lowest denomination were made of copper. So oftentimes when you hear the story, and I don't like the word story, you know that when you hear the account of the widow and her two mice, people will say, well, the widow put in two cents. If you want to be accurate, which what we're about, ABCs, accuracy, balance, and clarity, she did not put in two cents. A mite was actually, Mark used the word mite because he was writing primarily to a Greek audience. A mite was a part of a denarius. It was a fraction of a denarius which represented, watch this, 1 64th of a day's wages. This was a little bit, this wasn't even a penny. This was a fraction of our penny today. We don't even have a currency denomination that's as low as a mite. But it was all she had. You know what? Let me just change the subject for a second. James, I love what James does in chapters 1. He said, you really want to practice pure religion? He said, do you really understand what pure religion is? He said in James chapter 1, he said, pure religion is this, that you look after, you care for, you support, you assist the orphans and wait for it and widows in their distress. He says, that's real religion. Real religion is looking after 
those that may not have someone else to cover them, to complete them, a companion, especially if you were a female in this society in the first century. It wasn't like women could go to college back then or get a tr learn a trade or have a skill perhaps other than maybe like you know Lydia with the purple dyes and others. But in terms of being able to support a family, it was difficult to do in the absence of a husband. So a widow was really at a very precarious place in society because she typically didn't have an income outside of the home. And if she had no help meet, she had to live on the donations and the kindness and generosity of others. And if you read the chapter earlier in the chapter 12 of St. Mark, Jesus was just scolding the Jewish leaders that were just robbing the widows. They were consuming their property. They were foreclosing on their possessions. They were overtaxing them for simple things like animals to sacrifice and livelihood and fruit and vegetables. They were exploiting the poor, especially the widows. How low. Who does that? The Lord said their punishment would be severe. If you read earlier in Mark chapter 12, it would be severe and good. So Jesus sits down and take a load off his feet. He says, let's just watch the people give for a minute. It was, a, it was something that a lot of people would do. They would kind of like watch because they wanted to see who was giving and they wanted to hear how much noise their giving made. You know, guys, I've always said this. I, I used to hate it. I, I've been in the church pretty much all my life. I used to hate it when I go to churches and they would pass the plate multiple times or they would say, okay, everybody out there, we're only looking for folding money and we're looking for large bills. If you have $100 to put in, come on up and give it. If you have 50, come on up and give. You all been in service like that? If you have a 20, come on. Who, who has $20? Come on up and give it. And then the deacons and elders would count the money. They come up short and they say, we got to pass the basket again. This is not what God wants. He needs more. <laughs> I hate when they put it off on God. We need to pass. We're, we're short. We're short, so they passed the basket again. Rod knows he used to be one of those guys. So don't no, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> so, so, so they they passed the basket again, and then the deacons huddle over and they count it. And then one guy will say, "We need sixty-three more dollars. That's it. We're just sixty-three dollars short of our goal. Their goal is only a hundred dollars." No. No, so they're, they're $63 short, so they pass it again. That is not what the Lord is pleased with. Guess what? Two major acts, two bookmarks of Jesus' ministry. His very first public act, other than the wedding feast, was to, his very first act that involved church was to make a leather scourge and beat the money changers out of the temple because he said they were making a mockery of his house and that they were a den of thieves. That was at the beginning of his public church ministry. At the end of his public ministry, before he went to the cross, he beat the money changers out of the temple again. He 
did it twice, three years. Money is something that Jesus talked about quite a bit in Mark, starting around chapters 10 through 14. Matter of fact, money is something that Jesus talked about a lot during his ministry period. Because money becomes an idol for us, right? Money becomes a substitute for trusting and having faith in God. So Jesus was very disappointed with these guys. He was disappointed in the fact that they were shaking down these old ladies and taking their inheritance, taking what they had left. And so Jesus sat down and said, let's just watch. And as they walked, I think they had six containers for offering and seven containers for tax. And people would put their coins in. And the coins made a rattling noise. If you read Alfred Edersheim's History of the New Testament or the Bible, he talks about this in detail. He was a, a Jewish historian that writes extensively about practices in the first century. You can also get this from the works of Josephus. And he said that the noise it made, I, I should have brought some chains to give you guys a demo, is that the rich people dressed in their ornamental purple and gold and look, looking very, you know, chic, very stylish. When they would put the money in, watch this. If they had a lot of money, they would throw it in, watch, so that it makes a lot of noise and gets a lot of attention. First of all, they're already heavier coins than the copper coins. And secondly, they're putting more of them in and they're throwing them rather than placing them so that you get this round, loud reverberation of, whoa, did you hear that? Boy, they dropped a grip in it. That was a lot of money, right? You notice how people sometimes in the 21st century give they want people to know what they, I used to, I used to attend a church, I used to be a part of a church, no names please, where they would put on the board what you had given. Kind of like an assessment. I'm referring to the United Methodist Church that we went to. So uh, they'd put up there your name. So it would say, it would say Willie Robinson, $3. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's probably the truth, but it would say James Cole, $3,000. So you know who got the money between me and Brother Cole. You know, so, so if y'all need to have a loan floated, see Brother Cole, not me. <laughs> but uh, so they put your name up there. So then it was your, the people were motivated to give so they could get their name on the, well, their name was going to be on the wall whether they gave or not. You just didn't want a zero next to your name. But they wanted the amount up there. That's horrible. What about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Now, what about giving in secret and letting God reward you openly? What about giving unto the Lord as a private gift, as a gift of sacrifice, a praise, a sacrifice of offering that you do generously and cheerfully and let the Lord reward you? Because Jesus said, when you give like that, when you get your name up there, Justin Meek, $3,000, that's, that's your reward. That's all you got coming. Don't expect a blessing. Don't expect God to be, you know, kind to you because of your giving for public consumption. Amen? Amen. 
so our motives are in play. So let me wrap this up. So Jesus concludes, he's sitting there, he's watching. And the widow came and put in her money. And watch this, watch this. It's very important that you look at the language. He says in the word that when the poor widow came, she put in, P-U-T, that is translated placed. She didn't throw it in. She wasn't trying to draw attention to herself. She wasn't trying to make a lot of noise. Not that two coins could make a lot of noise, especially copper, very lightweight, very low quality in terms of content and, and value. The Bible says she put it in, and Jesus with his disciples, watch this, these 12 grown men, these, as my mother used to say, rusty, crusty men, have been walking around, probably haven't bathed in a few days. These grown men, Jesus said, hey, hey, did you guys see that? Did you see that? And I could imagine, we don't have it in the text, but I'm just adding a, just a little context to, to, to sort of fill in some of the blanks. They might have said, what? It was like, what are you talking about? The widow was almost invisible to them. The widow almost was immaterial. She was irrelevant. No one noticed two mites, two coins, hardly made any noise. She was dressed probably like a widow, poor, ragged, simple, plain, whatever. She probably went through the line unnoticed, unrecognized. And Jesus said, stop the presses. Hold up. Did you guys see that? And I could imagine Brash Peter, who always had a comment on everything, said, what? What are you talking about, Lord? You tripping? What? These are just rich people giving. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Here's what you're missing. Did you see the widow? First of all, how did he know she was a widow? Probably divine revelation, or she was dressed like a widow. Doesn't matter. The Lord knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He said, did you notice that widow? And watch what Jesus said next. You have to really, really look at the language closely because he makes a profound statement that often gets overlooked when we read the story, when we read the account of the widow and her mice. The Bible says, Jesus said, I say to you that she put in more than all the tributors to the treasury. It says it also in Luke. But I looked at the language in the original Greek, and I understood something different. He didn't say that she just put in more than the other people put in. He said she put in more than all the other contributors, wait for it, combined. Combined. That's what the language is saying there. It's saying that she put in more of you absolutely break down the text and you look at the etymology of this particular verse and the verb structure and the noun structure and the grammar, it actually comes out that she put in more than all of the other contributors combined. You say, well, Pastor Will, why are you making such a big point of that? I mean, you know, big deal. We know that she gave all she had of course, you know, if you're looking at this proportionally, that constitutes more. Well, yeah, yeah. If you put $2 in the offering and someone else puts 2000 in the offering, 
But the person that puts 2,000 in the offering has 200,000 available to them or 22,000 available to them. And you put in $2 and that was two of your last dollars to make ends meet that week. Proportionately, proportionately, your giving constituted a greater proportion than the person that put in more quantitatively because they put in 2,000, but they had 200,000 left. You put in $2 and you only have a dollar left. I remember this story, this is a real story. Uh, well, this is a real, real account too, but when I was in elementary school, I went to West Junior High School in Akron. I remember this guy named Mark Snell. Mark, if you're alive and well, God bless you. I uh, hope you're a believer. Mark Snell went to Krispy Kreme Donuts, which was a donut shop we had right across the street from West Junior High. And I remember this day, I, I, I'm still, I'm 60, almost 68, and I still remember this just like it was yesterday. He bought three donuts. He bought three donuts. Back then, donuts were very expensive, and you just, most people didn't, wasn't able to buy donuts unless you were an adult. We were in elementary school. He bought three donuts, but I'll never forget, we were waiting for the bell to ring, and he came back, and some of us were standing around, and he said, would anybody like a donut? And one guy said, yeah, I'll take one. He gave him one. And another guy said, I'll take one. He gave him one. And he was left with one. And I remember that because I thought, he bought three donuts. And he gave away two-thirds. He gave away more than he consumed. He gave away more than he kept. And I was reminded of that this week prepping for this lesson because I thought, what made the widow so amazing in Jesus' sight? was not the quantity that she gave. It was not the portion that she gave. It was not how much she gave, but how much she had left after she gave. I think I used that as a Monday morning moment. I, I said, men see what is given, but God sees what is left. I like that. I wish I could say it was original, but I read it somewhere. So I'm just going to give credit, give props to the guy who wrote it. But I, I lifted it for this lesson. God, men, sees what, men see what is given. God sees what's left. And it's how much they had left that indicted them. It convicted them for being selfish and stingy. What the lady had left was nothing. So the moral of this particular account is, I, I came up with three things that just knocked my socks off. I'm just gonna give you two because we're late. One is, God sees what man overlooks. God sees what man overlooks. Everybody may not know your situation. They don't always need to know your business. You give because you have been blessed to give, and you give based on what you have. By the way, sometimes this gets lifted by the prosperity message teachers and preachers and the health and wealth guys that really try to say, come to church, give God all your money. Basically, they're saying, give me all your money. And, and they, they misuse this passage as a way to shake down people for more money use it as a scripture for exploitation. Shame on them. That's the improper interpretation of the scripture and that wasn't Jesus' point. 
His point was not to give up all your money and you, now you have nothing to live on. That wasn't his point. She didn't have to give her two mites. By Jewish law, she was only obligated to give one. She gave both. I believe that she gave both because I put in my notes to tell you that she had four excellent qualities. She was cheerful. She gave cheerfully. She gave obediently. She gave faithfully. And here's the last one. She gave generously. And if you look at the, what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, that God loves what? A cheerful giver. People that don't give under compulsion. People that don't give under obligation. People that don't give to get their name on the wall. People that don't give so the deacons and elders can pat you on the back and say, wow, that's one of our best contributors. Uh, pe people that don't give because they want credit. Are you all with me? Yeah. I'm almost done. Hang with me five more minutes, please. I have an important point I want to make. What the Lord is saying that we should take home from this lesson is that don't worry about what men see. Make sure that you're doing the right thing in your heart because that's what God sees. Amen? Amen. He noticed this lady. This lady wasn't trying to get noticed. She wasn't trying to get in the Bible. She wasn't trying to get picked up by the Lord. I doubt she even saw the Lord watching, or even if she did see him, that she even knew who he was. I mean, Jesus looked like one of us. Actually, probably most of us today look better than he was dressed when he was watching them go to the temple and give their offerings. Amen? I doubt she knew. But guess what? God knew. God saw her. Even though she didn't see him, God saw her. God sees you. You may think what you're doing and what you're giving is unnoticed and unrewarded. Don't you worry. When we give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, that's what God honors. When you give it cheerfully, when you give it generously, when you give it faithfully, God rewards you. Don't give it because it's an assessment, and don't give it because it's a quota. Amen? Amen. Here's my last point. God's evaluation, God's evaluation is different than ours. That is, we look at what a person gives. God looks at what the gift cost for her it cost her 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 life savings to that point she gave all she had I think we should give all we have not necessarily in our money all the time I don't think God wants us to give everything we have and then be broke and then we're begging brother Cole all the rest of the week for money that doesn't serve any purpose right I don't think the lesson is teaching, give all you have, and then throughout the week, call somebody up and say, hey, Reg, can you float me alone? I don't think that's what it's teaching at all. I think the lady had faith, and she knew, and, and well, you know what? Something came to me this morning. Something came this morning as I was getting prepared. A thought dropped in my heart. Make sure you share this, Will, that I don't think, watch this, watch this is important. I don't think this was her first time doing this. Amen? I don't, I don't think this was her, because you know, let me tell you how faith works. Faith builds upon the, his, on the past. Faith builds upon history. Faith is a result of, I've done this once and God came through. Now I trust him for the next time. 
and the next time. And every time God comes through, I'm stronger. I'm more committed. I'm more determined. I can stretch out a little more on the deep. Have you noticed when Peter was walking on water, every step he took, he said, okay, I can take another step. I can get out deeper, and I can get out deeper, and I can get out deeper. That's what faith does. It builds. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Faith builds. Faith builds us. Each step gives us more strength, more commitment, more tenacity to tackle the next challenge. It wasn't our first time, I believe. The Monday morning moment is men see what is given. God sees what is left. He measures the condition of our hearts, not our wallet. You know, I tell people all the time, don't worry about if you don't have a lot of money, come to church. If you don't have a nice outfit, come to church. If you don't have new shoes, come to church. You got holes in your shoes, come to church. You got holes in your socks, come to church. Your pants is not the best, come to church. You come to church, you worship God because he's worthy. It's about him, not about what other people looking at you saying, oh, boy, that is, that, they look horrible. Why did they even come out the house? Don't you worry about that. They'll get theirs. You come because it's the right thing to do. And God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, for it is good. So Luke 6.38, as our Monday morning moment scripture says, give and you will receive. You will re you, your gift will return to you full pressed down, shaken together, overflowing to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The King James says, poured into your bosom, Rosie, poured into your bosom where you won't have room to contain it. Luke 6:38. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have to spend before you. And Lord, we just worship you and we ask that you receive our praises, our sacrifice of praise. As we worship you, Lord, this morning in spirit and in truth, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Rick and Deanna, our closing hand. Hallelujah.